particularly excited because we are starting a new series. It's a three-week series called All In. And this is something that um, the leadership at Orchard Hill has been looking at for months and asking ourselves, what does it mean to be members of the local body of Jesus Christ together? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to answer that question. We talked a little bit about this in our last series, Come Together. But more specifically, we're going to be looking at what does it mean right here at Orchard Hill for us to live out our faith, to be all in together as God's people. And at the heart of this sermon series is really celebration. Celebration of the fact that we get to covenant together as God's people here at Orchard Hill to do life together, to serve the Lord together, and to be faithful and encourage one another. So we want to invite you to join the celebration with us over the course of the next few weeks. And that is all around this membership covenant we have. So I want to point you at the end of your pews on either side. You have some small papers that are called membership covenants. I want to invite you just to grab one of those real quick and pass it down the pew. These cards really are an outline of what we commit to being and doing as part of the family of God here at Orchard Hill. It spells out what we believe. What do we believe at Orchard Hill? The basic things that unite us in our faith. It spells out what we live as disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we follow Jesus together? What are the actions that we commit to? How are we growing closer to God together so collectively Orchard Hill is a church of disciples who make disciples? And finally, it encourages us with the reminder on the backside of what Orchard Hill's promises are to every member of this church, to what the leadership, to what this community commits to doing for one another, walking alongside one another, blessing each other. We know being part of the church is giving, it's, it's serving, it's loving, but it's also being given too. It's also being served, it's also being loved and come alongside with by the family of Jesus Christ. And so this is what we are celebrating. Week one this week, we're gonna talk about what we believe. Week two next week, Greg is gonna walk us through what does it look like for us at Orchard Hill to live faithfully as disciples who make disciples. In week three, Pastor Bob, Lord willing, will be back with us. He is healing well, by the way. Um, and he'll be talking to us about what it means for Orchard Hill to offer blessings to this community as we do ministry and life in Jesus' name together. And that last week is really gonna be the culmination of our celebration as we invite everyone at Orchard Hill to, to consider this membership covenant and, and to pledge to be a covenant member of this community being walked alongside of and loved as we go out with the good news of Jesus Christ together as a community. Make sense? Amen. So we want to encourage you, take these home, consider what God might be speaking to you through them and how he might be inviting you into deeper fellowship in the kingdom and deeper fellowship right here with your brothers and sisters in Christ. But with all that being said, we go to our message this morning into the book of John. We're gonna be in John chapter 20. And we're starting with that, that first point. How can we be all in here at Orchard Hill with what we believe to be true about God? What do we believe, what unites us as his people? And we look at a story all about belief today in John chapter 20. We'll be starting in verse 24. It's the story of Thomas. Too many of us know him as Doubting Thomas, don't we? He, that, that guy gets a bad rap. 
his, the rest of his life is not lived as Doubting Thomas, but this morning we encountered the beginnings of Doubting Thomas turning from doubt to belief in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our focal point today. So read with me from the book that we love, starting in John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Jesus had just appeared to the disciples. And he had, had brought the good news of the resurrection, and all the disciples were excited, but Thomas missed out on it. So the other disciples told him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A whole week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. In his gospel, John is clear to us over and over again that the purpose he had in writing this book was belief. The Gospel of John uses the Greek verb for to believe 98 different times. This is the clear theme from beginning to end, believe. And we see that in Jesus' interaction with Thomas this morning. Though our, our English version makes it sound like a verb when Jesus looks at Thomas and says, stop doubting and believe. Jesus takes it a step further and actually uses belief as an adjective that describes his people. If we read it in the Greek more traditionally, it might sound more like Jesus looking at Thomas saying, do not be unbelieving, but believing. We're not just people who believe, we're people who are marked by our belief. It's a describer, it is the describer of the children of God, belief. That's what Jesus calls Thomas to in this passage. It's what he calls him to look like, to be marked by, and that's what Jesus is still calling us to today. And it's not just a one-time thing. This is a lifestyle of a continuous walking and a pattern of believing who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and what that means for us going forward. We see this again in John 3:16, right? One of the probably most memorized passages of the Bible. Here if you can see if you can hear it as we say it together. If you know John 3:16, say it with me. If not, that's cool. This is a great passage to to consider and to memorize. So let's say it together. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah, there's a lot of different translations to that. But did you hear the heart of it? That whoever does what? Believes. Believes. Whoever believes in him. This is why John writes to us. This is the crux of the gospel of John, believe. But it also comes with a promise. Did you catch it? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Everlasting, eternal life. Belief comes with a promise. We, I hope you heard that in our last verse we read today. It said, these miraculous signs were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. There is a blessing, a promise that comes when we believe in Jesus. And that blessing, that promise, is that we will find eternal, everlasting, spiritual, and physical life with our beloved Lord. That's good news for those who believe today, isn't it? Amen, Amen brothers and sisters. That belief, that kind of belief brings real change in our lives. When you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, gospel just means good news. Did you know that? When you believe in the good news that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again to raise all who believe in what he has done to new life, that is a powerful blessing that changes our lives. And this belief that changes lives with this promise, it's different from knowledge. And it's important that we differentiate that today. When we're talking about what we join together as, what unites us as covenant members of the family of God, what we're going to come around this table united in later, we're not talking about head knowledge. Head knowledge is great. We have a lot that we can learn, but belief, belief is something that is markedly different from head knowledge. You can know a lot about the Bible. You can have studied the scriptures. You can go to seminary. You can walk the land of Israel, be a, a historian in the Jewish and Christian faith. But head knowledge is not the same as belief. Belief is more than knowledge. It is knowledge that has been accepted and embraced for oneself as true. That's what belief is going from the head to the heart and celebrating and embracing. That's what changes us. Not just knowledge of the gospel, but belief, true, heart-changing belief in what Jesus has done. There's a lot of people in this world that know the gospel, aren't there? I have lots of people in my life I love people I'm friends with, people I've shared the gospel with, people that can look at me and have also memorized John 3:16, and can tell me the fundamentals of what the gospel are, but that doesn't mean they know it. They believe it, right? That doesn't mean they've been changed by the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. 
been covered in his blood through their faith and been reconciled to him and promised eternal life. That's different. How many of you know someone in your life, Orchard Hill, that knows the gospel but doesn't believe the gospel? Yeah, that's not a matter of judgment. That should break our hearts. That should stir us and cause us to question, Lord, do I believe... Have I received this gospel? Do I believe not to question our salvation, but to look at our lives and say, am I someone who is marked by the life-changing blessing of belief through Jesus Christ? I had a conversation not too long ago with one of my friends. We get together sometimes to talk about faith. We've known each other for a while. And in that conversation, my friend that I know knows the gospel, that has been in the church year after year, verbalized to me all the things they wish that God would do for them. All the things they wish Jesus would do. And, and they weren't big things, as some of us would describe. They were pretty simple. And as I listened to my friends share their heart with me, was so honest, I appreciated their, their authenticity and their candor, but I found my heart was breaking as I listened to them share because I realized this friend of mine that had been with me year after year listening to the gospel had missed the gospel. The things that they were sharing they wished God would do in their life were things that through belief God already promises to do for us, to make us whole, to bring us hope, to bring us joy. Doesn't mean life will be perfect, right? But we know when we believe we receive the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what I heard my friend desiring were all these things. And I was startled and thought to myself, how could you have heard the gospel for so many years, but still have that disconnect in believing what Jesus has already promised he would do for you through faith? And it made me wonder, how many others right here in our church or, or in our community or in our lives have heard the gospel over and over again and know the gospel but haven't believed it, haven't been changed by the radical love of the gospel of Jesus Christ and haven't received that new life. This is where Thomas was in our story today. This is exactly where we find Thomas. His brothers, his friends, the disciples, saw the risen Jesus, right? They were absolutely convinced. Jesus had presented themselves to him, and they were convinced of the truth that Jesus is God, he is the Messiah, and he is alive. And they tell Thomas. And what is Thomas's response? What's his response? What does he say? Unless I see it for myself, show me, because I don't believe it. Thomas had heard Jesus, whether he realized it or not, declare the gospel for years, right? He'd seen Jesus living out the proof of the gospel. He saw Jesus die, and the other disciples are bringing the fruition of the gospel, saying he's risen, and Thomas says, I doubt it, and I'm not going to believe unless I see it for myself. I want you to think about this. Thomas spends a full week with his friends, scripture tells us, from the time that the disciples saw Jesus and went and told Thomas to the time that Jesus appears before Thomas. 
It's a full week. What do you think Thomas was surrounded by for that week? Thomas was probably surrounded by pumped up friends who had just seen the risen Lord and were believing in Jesus. They were talking about the good news. They probably couldn't shut up about it, right? They had just seen their Lord resurrected. They were pumped. And this is what Thomas sat around for a full week. And yet when we find him a week later before Jesus comes to him, he's still doubting. He still doesn't believe. How many of us spend our lives like that? We hear the gospel. We know the gospel. We're surrounded by people who are excited about the risen Lord, and yet it just hasn't stirred us. Or we just haven't really moved from knowledge to belief. Or how many of us have someone in our lives that we crave that God will move in his power from that place of knowledge where Thomas was to actual belief? Thomas didn't believe the news for himself, but once he encountered the gracious encounter that Jesus comes to him with, he was changed. What about you, Orchard Hill? Have you moved from knowledge to belief? Have you been marked by the change of being met with the good news of the resurrected Christ? Have you accepted him as Messiah, as God, as Lord and Savior of your life? Thomas's words, when he sees Jesus, and he finally believes are this. He says, my Lord and my God. He embraces the truth in front of him, and he responds in submission, saying, you are who you say you are, God, and I believe. This is the kind of statement. This is the kind of rejoicing. This is the kind of change we see when true belief has taken root in someone's heart. It changed Thomas. It brought him life. It changed him eternally. He went from being doubting Thomas and having this bad rap to what we think is bringing the gospel all the way to India and being martyred for his faith, for his fiery love and belief in Jesus Christ there. The gospel, belief in the good news of Jesus and what Christ had done, changed Thomas's life forever, both in word, in deed, in action, in the countenance of his heart, he was changed. This is what belief does. It brings us from death to life, and it changes us through and through. So that's my question for us. What about us? Have we been changed by belief in the good news of Jesus Christ? When we come together around this membership covenant that you have, we look at those basic things that we believe, and the very first thing on there is, I am a Christian, and I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as the only rule for faith. These are big statements. These can only be said by a church who has been changed by belief and the radical, miraculous work of Jesus Christ on the cross and resurrected. So I just want to ask a couple follow-up questions. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're one of those people who has sat here maybe week after week or maybe decade after decade, and you've heard the good news, 
But if we ask that question honestly, do you believe? Is your life marked by that radical life change of Jesus Christ? You're honest and you say no. I don't think it is. Today is your day. <laughs> this is your moment. Jesus is beckoning and calling and inviting you to know the power that he has to do something in your life. He is just inviting you to believe who he is and his love over your life and what he has done. And I want to encourage you, don't leave here today without talking to someone. Sometimes it's a hard, humbling thing to say, I have been part of this church for 20 years and I'm still not sure. That's okay. This is a safe place to do that. We have people who want to walk with you, who want to pray over you, who want to help answer your questions. That's what this family of God is for. It's a big thing to be unsure about. Don't leave here today without digging deeper. Go home, open your Bible, read the gospel for yourself. Don't let us spoon feed it to you. Dig into the truth and find it there because Jesus too is presenting himself to you just like Thomas saying, stop doubting and believe. And Orchard Hill, my guess is for the larger number of people in this room. Those who say yes, I have believed. I have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I can easily say, I am a Christian and Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I say, praise God for that. And I also ask us the question and present the challenge. Does the evidence of our lives reflect that change that comes through belief in Christ? Thomas was radically changed, a new creation. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, do our lives reflect the kind of change that comes knowing that Jesus Christ died on that cross because he loved you? That you have been reconciled to God, that you have been given status as a child of God, you have received a new name, a new calling, and new glory promised forever. Does your life reflect that kind of belief, that kind of truth? Because the more we interact with our culture, the more naturally we look like that culture, right? And our culture today is not one that is marked by belief. It's marked by skepticism. It's not one that's marked by joy. It's one that's marked by anger. It's not one that's marked by hope. It's one that's marked by despair and doubt. But we as God's people, doesn't mean we don't go through tough times, but when we have that life, changing belief in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Our lives look different, don't they? Are our lives marked by something different? And I wonder if they're not. For those of us who believe, if it's because we've kind of taken ourselves out of being steeped in the good news, being regularly reminded and speaking the good news of Jesus over one another, and we've kind of planted ourselves in the world so strongly that we're starting to be shaped more and more by this culture. What we steep in is what we think about, right? Think of steeping like, like putting a tea bag into a glass of hot water. The longer you leave it in there, the stronger that tea gets, right? Anybody accidentally made really strong tea and it was awful and you had to throw it away? <laughs> I do that a lot, I get distracted. But 
We want to be steeped. We want to be so steeped in the gospel that it consumes all of who we are, that that flavor of gospel-changed people, our belief just exudes out of us. But sometimes we're steeped so often in the world and not in a community of believers that's speaking gospel truth, not in the word, but in our, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our daily lives, that though we believe, we start to be more impacted by this culture than the truth of the gospel. And I want to read a testimony to you. Kenzie, do you mind giving me that book? It's from a book called Gospel Fluency. And the book is written by a wonderful pastor, thank you, from Grand Rapids, um, named Jeff Vanderstel. I highly recommend this book. But I want to read a testimony from a young woman who was a church intern. She was a college student. And she joined the small group of this pastor and his friends. Um, and she heard them talk about what they believed so often. It changed her life. So I want to read the short testimony from this young woman to you when we talk about the importance of steeping in ourselves and the truth of what we believe together as God's people. This is what she said about her journey with this group of Christians who love to talk about Jesus. This might sound a little strange, but the thing that most surprised me was how much you all talk about Jesus. I mean, I know we believe in Jesus, and it's supposed to be all about Jesus, but you guys talk about him all the time. Every day, every meeting, every situation, you're always talking about Jesus. At first, I thought you were strange. Then I started to think maybe something was wrong with me, that I didn't really know and love Jesus. Church I came from talks about Jesus here and there, especially when we have evangelistic Sundays. But most of the teaching is about us, what we should do. We might hear three key ideas on how to better manage our time or five principles for engaging and serving, but we don't hear Jesus preached every week through every Bible text. And we certainly don't talk about Jesus whenever we get together. And while I'm not sure how to say this, but I think I finally came to really know and love Jesus this summer with you. It was just impossible to get away from hearing how great Jesus is with you all. I wonder how many of us can relate to that statement. How many of us know what we believe and, and have been changed by it, but maybe have started to look more like the world because we're not steeping ourselves in this community, in a church that's regularly getting together to remind ourselves of the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I have to believe that when we live life together in community here at Orchard Hill, day in and day out, not just on Sunday mornings for an hour singing and, and hearing a message together, but when we do life on life like this small group did, when we're sharing the truth of the gospel, reminding one another of who we are and all that we say and all that we do, that our lives look a little bit more fiery. We show that belief has changed our life. Do you resonate with the testimony of this young woman? Has anybody ever been a part of a community of believers that you just couldn't help but fall in love with Jesus and be reminded of the truth because of how that community lived out its beliefs together? That's who we are, Orchard Hill. That community that comes together 
to speak truth of what we believe over one another, to steep ourselves in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we go out looking more like children of God. John tells us in his first chapter that the people, Jesus' own people he came to, rejected him. But he goes on to say, to those who would believe, he gave the right to become children of God. When we believe, we are given that title as children of God. We are united as the church of Jesus Christ, as his children. And we come together to remind one another of what we believe. A research group did a study of the United States evangelical Christians. And what they found was sad. They found over a quarter of evangelical Christians don't believe they need to be part of a local church body. How sad is that? I need you, Orchard Hill. I need you speaking the truth of the gospel over me because there are days where I forget. There are days where I get distracted by the world. There are days where I'm so steeped in other things. I need my brothers and sisters to draw me back and to remind me of what I believe and who I am as a child of God. Children of God are united by their belief and they look different. They look like hope, joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, things this world desperately needs in the name of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this week, wherever you are, to remember what you believe, to align yourself with the family of God in such a way that they are speaking the truth of what you believe over you, and to go out into this world with the evidence of a life changed, bearing the fruits of the Spirit, because you have believed the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we're just so grateful. We're so grateful for what we get to say we believe. That you are good, <laughs> that you are God, and that through grace, you have saved us by faith. Lord, I just pray for a miracle of salvation in this room today. For those who have long listened and known the gospel, but perhaps have not received it, have not believed it in their hearts, Lord, that you would take them on that journey even now from head to heart, and they would put their trust in you. And I pray over those of us who have long known and long believed the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray that even today, you would reawaken that change in us. You would reconnect us with the freedom that comes through belief in the good news. And you would send us out as changed and marked individuals into a world that looks completely different than the gospel to shine that truth for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this church body that reminds us of who we are, of who you are. And God, we pray that even in this moment, in this day, in these weeks, Orchard Hill would be more united around those beliefs and would look more like you. So Jesus, hear our confession today. 
that we believe.